Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 561. Are you doing some more remote working these days? Well, there's a lot of that going around by necessity. Hope you're staying safe and sane and healthy and well. And Lisette has some real excellent pro tips. She's been doing this for decades, researching the tools and building the tools and codifying and sharing knowledge and winning awards for her books that share the knowledge about remote work. So we hunted her down. She was in the Netherlands and we had a great chat. So I think you will appreciate her wisdom. You'll learn one, the remote worker hierarchy of needs, two, smarter alternatives to online meetings, and three, three tips for managing distractions while working remotely. And if I may, you'll also learn just a boatload of tools in terms of hardware, software, tools, gadgets, peripherals, uh, things that can make things uh, work better even though it's not all about the tools, which we discussed that too. Anyway, the show notes, the transcript, the links to albums we've referenced, you can see by expanding the episode notes or descriptions or visiting awesomeatyourjob.com slash F561. Now here's Lizette's story. Lizette Sutherland is the director of Collaboration Superpowers, a company that helps people work together from anywhere through online and in-person workshops. She also produces a weekly podcast featuring interviews with remote working experts highlighting the challenges and successes of working with virtual teams, her book, Work Together Anywhere, a handbook on working remotely successfully for individuals, teams, and managers is considered the go-to on this very topic. So big thanks to Lizette for spending some time with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com now, here's Lisette. Lisette, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Oh, well, well we're honored to have you. Remote work is a hot topic right about now. <laughs> and you are quite the authority. I, I've been impressed at checking out all of your stuff. And you've got some cool stories about just what folks can achieve with remote work. And, and I'd love it if you could maybe open us up by sharing the tale about the, the Hyperloop pod contest. Yeah, I love this. I love that story. Yeah, it was random. My husband actually said, you've got to check out what these guys are doing. So I, I invite him on the podcast. And it turns out that SpaceX started a competition for who could build a hyperloop or a hyperpod for the hyperloop, which is a super fast transportation system that can take a commute of seven hours and squeeze it into 30 minutes. I mean, you're basically getting shot through a gravity tube. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to be the beta tester, right? Like that would be... Uh, 
not the funnest. But anyway, so it's a super fast transportation system. And this one guy, Tom, put out on Reddit that he wanted to join the competition and asked if there was anybody else that would like to join him. And one year later, with a team of 400 remote volunteers from all over the world, they actually came in finalists in the competition. And they're still doing stuff on it to this day. I mean, not the same people, of course, but the project continues and they're still working on the hyperpod. So, I mean, it just showed to me that when people want to, that at great distances and projects of great complexity, that we can do great things together if we just get the right people together, which is actually the origin of why I find remote work so exciting to begin with. It's sort of this idea of like, think of the things we could solve. I mean, you know, with the current coronavirus, we're right in the middle of it right now. I mean, with that, we're going to need global solutions, global problem solving, everybody working together Mm -hmm. on that, I think. So for me, that's what makes it so exciting. That is very cool. And and so yeah, 400 people just kind of random, like, yeah, I find this interesting. Let's let's get after it. And to be a finalist amongst, I, I imagine, I don't know the economics of this whole project or contest, but I imagine against some pros who like this is their company and this is their business and transportation is their thing and they want a, a piece of the action. For sure. Like universities <laughs> have been competing and yeah, totally. That is cool. That is cool. So Well, boy, you've been studying remote work for quite a long time, and we're remote working uh, before uh, many of us knew that you could. Before it was cool. (laughs) So, well, maybe you could open us up by sharing, have there been a couple sort of fascinating or surprising discoveries you've made that uh, it'd be useful for us to know? Well, for one, most people, when they think of remote working, you get this image of somebody laying on the beach, right? You see that Mm. you can already see it, like a beach with a laptop and an umbrella drink or, you know, with a umbrella over you. And I think that a lot of people are discovering that that is not what remote working is all about. And if anybody has ever tried working from the beach, you would know that that is a ridiculous idea because sun on the laptop and sand Mm -hmm. on the laptop, I mean, it's completely, it's hot. Like the laptop is hot on your lap. So it is totally not the right atmosphere for for working, like doing, you know, doing any real serious work. So I always laugh at those stock photos. But what has been surprising for me is how reluctant people are to try new things. I mean, it goes for me too. You know, I get stuck in my own rut. So I'm not uh, trying, I'm not on a high horse here, that's for sure. But how reluctant we all are to try new things. And I've been telling people for years and years, not that everybody needs to listen to me, but I've been saying for years and years, Regardless of whether you allow people to go remote, you should have the processes in place in order to support that in case something happens. And in in the past, that in case of that something would have been, you know, sick kids at home or transportation strike or bad weather or the plumber that comes Mm -hmm. between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. It never occurred to me that it would be like a global pandemic virus, of course. So it was like an extreme situation. But it does surprise me now how much people are struggling with some of the basic things. All right. Well, that's a good opening. So what are some of the basic things that uh, we just got to get handled? Well, I would say the first thing is infrastructure. So many people are not used to using video in the video conferencing, although that is changing quickly. But I always tell people like that is really important if you're on a team where camaraderie and trust and team building is really important. There are some teams out there where that's not super important. And so in that case, you know, video may may not be useful, but for the majority of teams, if your 
not feeling connected, it's usually because you can't see each other. So there's infrastructure. So video, a good, a decent headset. Doesn't have to be the beautiful QC35 Bose headsets. Mm-hmm. That was a gift from my my rich sister. So thank you. Thank you, sis. But, you know, a reasonable headset. And then I would say one thing that I'm telling people right now is given that we've been at home for like a week or two now for most people that have been trying this, or maybe three, and I would say it's it's time to get comfortable knowing that this is going to be happening for the next four to 12 weeks. We don't know. So there's a lot of makeshift offices right now. And I would say, actually, given that it's going to be this long, invest in a decent chair or a sit-stand desk or whatever it is that you need in order to be productive. Maybe it's an extra monitor. But I think that most people don't have the basic infrastructure in place to be able to do this well. And fair enough, they've never had to do it before. It's all been provided for at the office in most cases. And then the other thing that I really would highlight is that we need to learn how to design and deliver great online meetings. And the thing that I'm noticing right now is that people are in online video calls all day long. Like we've gone remote and all of a sudden we're just like on the phone all day. And my suggestion to people is it's not healthy, number one. So one, we need to shorten our meetings and take more physical breaks in between meetings. Like this back-to-back video meeting thing is not healthy. And the other is we need to start to go more asynchronous with our communications. It can't just be all online together. There's got to be more that we can pull out asynchronously. Mm-hmm. So I would say for people that are just starting out, it's really start. It's time to think about infrastructure and then how to design these meetings because you can't do back to back. Yeah. I mean, you can, but uh-huh. it's not great. Well, you talk about this, you name these infrastructure things that my mind is like firing off tools left and right. So maybe we'll just go buck wild for a minute or two because this is a rabbit hole you could just sort of, oh, here's 60 apps that I love. Oh yeah, for sure, (laughs) for sure. But while we're on the topic, you know, let's hit a couple. For chairs, I'll tell you what, I think I've mentioned it before, but the Autonomous Ergo Chair 2 from Autonomous.ai, and we'll put these in the show notes. I've been impressed at how many things you can adjust at at a price that's that's lower than Herman Miller, at a, a comfort that's, Mm, approaching that. <laughs> so uh, in terms of value and, and performance, uh, I think that's pretty cool. For headsets, I love the Sennheiser SC60s for audio quality. And uh, for sit-stand desks, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good ones. I got the Uplift desk. And for, I think, infrastructure, you also talk about just internet speed. And do you have any figures there? Uh, like, hey, like this many megabits per second is is probably okay and this much is not. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, sorry, oh, oh, sorry, I'm kind of cutting out, oop, oop, you know? And, and I think like they don't actually know how much is enough. So can you lay that down for us? I mean, at a very minimum, if you're going to do video conferencing, mm-hmm. at a minimum, you're going to want at least 10, 20 megabits per second at a minimum. All right, upstream and downstream? I would say, uh, I don't actually remember which one is which, but uh, I think it's upstream. Yeah. At home, I have 200 megabits per second. Mm-hmm. It's like super fast and it does everything. But uh, yeah, you want uh, at least 10, 20 megabits per second, if not faster. But it is the foundational layer of the remote workers hierarchy of needs. You know, All like right. I'm sure everybody's seen the cartoon with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like Wi-Fi is the bottom layer. <laughs> but with remote working, that is so true, right? Because you need a reasonable amount of bandwidth in order to run some of these tools that make remote working a joy to to do. So like video conferencing or virtual offices, if you want to go way far out, you can start getting into virtual reality or, you know, things like that. But bandwidth is going to, that's not where you want to save your money. You want to mm-hmm. invest in 
as fast as possible. And so is speedtest.net where, where you like to go to double check your speeds? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I, I did all the tool dropping. Sorry to, to steal the fun. Lisette, please. Are, are there some of your faves that you want to mention while we're uh, <laughs> going for it here? Well, so there's pros and cons to all tools. And I would say I'm a total tool junkie. So mm-hmm. speaking of rabbit holes, I could go down this one forever. However, it's not about the tool. It's about the behavior that the tool enables. That's what we're going for. So when you're thinking about what the tool that you want to use, you have to think about, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? What is our objective here? So, but I do have some favorites. I mean, Zoom is my favorite video conferencing tool. I know it has security flaws. However, the features that Zoom has that I think are, they're just exceptional and nobody else has them as as good as Zoom has them is breakout room functionality. All right. So the video quality is excellent. You're not dependent on each other's bandwidth, which is very common with other tools like Skype for Business. If the lowest bandwidth actually affects oh, everybody really? else on the call, that's why it's so uh, bad. That's that, one of the I many know. reasons why now it's so I bad. I always kind of wondered. Uh, Zoom just kind of works better. Don't know why. Well, that's part of why. Thank you. That's part. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. part why. That's many. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Skype for Business hater, by the way. So we won't go down that route. But breakout rooms. So if you're trying to make online meetings more engaging or workshops or anything more engaging, breakout rooms are the way to go. We do it in in-person workshops. We do it in in-person meetings and brainstorming sessions. So why wouldn't we do it online? So that's the feature that I think makes Zoom like awesome. Plus they have polling and whiteboards and, you know, some other fun things in there. But some other fun tools that that people wouldn't know about, which I think would be more applicable for this podcast, are things like virtual offices. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an office that you go to online and you're looking at a floor plan And on that floor plan, you see these individual boxes and Mm -hmm. avatars. So if you're in that office, you can only see and hear the people that are in the same office as you, but you can double click on another office and just pop yourself in. Just like walking down the hall in a normal office building, you could just double click, pop in, say hi, and then go back to your own office. Well, intriguing. Is that like a software website or platform I go to, to get me a virtual office? There are many. There is like 25 different oh, wow. ones. My okay. very favorite one is Sococo, S-O-C-O-C-O, Sococo. All right. That's my very favorite. But there's also Remo, Walkabout Workplace. I mean, there's, you know, for every tool, there's a million competitors. But I think they're awesome because it creates a new kind of presence. And for people, you know, when we're online, we have all these meetings because we need to talk to each other, but you don't want to just call because you don't want to interrupt somebody. But with a virtual office, you can see where people are and see if they're interruptible and then just go like virtually knock on their door. Mm-hmm. So these kind of things, I think, are really changing the playing field in terms of what's possible now. Yeah, that is really intriguing. I hope there's a virtual foosball table because that's a lot of fun <laughs> to, to walk over to that and go boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, video games are the virtual uh-huh. foosball table of the day, right? And I encourage companies to actually put video games in their offices because that's the modern day version of the ping pong table or foosball. Well, you know, I've, I've recently been uh, connecting with my buddy Connor in the pandemic uh, by playing Fortnite. And it was just funny. I thought like, isn't this for 12 year old boys? It's like, maybe, but it's so fun. <laughs> so I've, right? I kind of, I got the a bit by the bug there. It really is fun. I just bought myself an Oculus Quest. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm amazed at how good it is. I, I did the ISS, the space station. You get to take a tour of the space station. All right. Well, so also to your point about being asynchronous, boy, I love Loom myself, which is, if you're not familiar, listeners, it's a means by which I can 
record a, a video, a screen capture of, of what I'm doing. So perfect for like instructions and processes and documents like, hey, team, here's how we're going to do this thing. Here's how you apply for this. Or here's how you vet a guest and determine if they're <laughs> worthy of a, an in-depth uh, investigation, you know, kind of whatever. And what, what's cool about Loom, use loom.com, is that uh, it's, it's practically instantaneous in terms of click, it's recording my screen, click, done, and like within seconds, here's my link. And I found that impressive. So the set, any other asynchronous tools that can be a, a really nice means of reducing uh, the number of synchronous uh, meetings. Well, I am also a Loom fan. Use it with my assistant all the time because, uh, yeah, so great to show a video rather than type out email instructions. My God. Oh, yeah. Instead of sending long emails, I might just say, hey, I made you a video response with Loom, which is awesome. Yeah. And actually, I think that that is, speaking of other asynchronous tools, people should be thinking more about instead of sending text messages, sending video messages with your screen or showing something. But I guess uh, to get back to your question, the, the biggest tip I can give is if you're still using email as your primary source of communication, you should be thinking about some sort of a group chat system like Slack or Teams or, the, I mean, there's a million of them out there, but Slack is probably the most popular at the moment. But companies that don't have that yet, uh, you don't know how much pain you're in. And to be fair, mm -hmm. I don't think that these group instant messages systems, they solve everything. But in terms of transparent and fast communication, if you're using email for that, you can evolve and should evolve from there into some sort of a transparent platform. Well, so yeah, maybe let's zoom out a little bit from tools now because we, yeah, we, we, we took the plunge <laughs> and we can't, we can't do it again, but I think both of us are going <laughs> to succumb to this. Well, so I, I'm curious about Slack and email in particular in the realm of distraction. Let's talk about that kind of ball of wax there. I find personally, because I've been remote working in, with my business, you know, for geez, a decade here. But lately when, within the particulars of the coronavirus pandemic, I find that I'm, I'm, um, uh, obsessive might be a strong word, but I am checking news frequently, more frequently than I need to or should or is advantageous for me. And I think that that's, that's one source of distraction is the pseudo work work. I need to be informed, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and another form of distraction could be maybe just too frequently checking out the Slack or the email because, I don't know, you're kind of tired and that's easy and you're sort of curious. You want a novel stimulus. So... How do we slay that dragon? Yeah, this is a tough one. I think uh, this is the thing that pe most people struggle with, and that's boundaries, boundaries on our time and, uh, and our attention. That is one of the lovely things about working in an office is that there is a very clear boundary on when work starts and when it ends. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty clear. And there's a transition period of commuting in and commuting out of the office. So that's also very clear. But when we're like this and everything's freeform, we have to be self-disciplined and put boundaries in place for ourselves. And that is not to be underestimated in terms of its difficulty. I'm sure everybody, I mean, especially right now, you know, back in the old days, uh, I can't believe mm -hmm. I'm saying that, you used to get your newspaper once a day. And so yeah, that's where you got your news. But now it's like every time something happens, everybody's on it, like the whole world, you know, everything happening wherever you want, anytime, just have to find the right news source, right? And so it's really addicting. And especially when there's something like this going on, it's just like all consuming. So in terms of distractions and notifications, one is you've got to get your own notifications under control for yourself. So whatever those rules are, for me, I turn everything off. And then you've got a time box where you're going to place your attention. 
So for example, I allow myself to look at the news in the three times a day. Like, you know, when I wake up, I can't help it. I want a cup of coffee in the news. That's just what I want. After lunch, just as a transition into the afternoon, and then after dinner, just as a way to relax. And, and I feel like three times a day, if I can accomplish that, that's pretty good. But these boundaries, it's super hard. And to make it more visceral for people, I usually use the analogy of weight loss Like we all know what the formula is for weight loss, right? Mm -hmm. Super easy. We move more and eat less. But if you've ever tried to lose weight, you know that it's not as simple as that formula, right? Like it is and it isn't. It's super hard to do. So it's the same with boundaries, like really easy to put boundaries in place, really hard to maintain them over long periods of time. So this is one of the great challenges. I think uh, when you master this, you've got the golden ticket. Yeah. But uh, I haven't mastered it myself. I'm constantly struggling with this, but and always working on it. Yeah. Well, it's reassuring to hear that th- this is the the golden ticket because that tends to be my own experience as well. Is in the days that I'm successful at sort of having a plan, you know, hey, during these times, this is what happens, then uh, things go excellently. And then when. <laughs> when it gets all loosey goosey, then it's like, oh, this day was kind of disappointing. I I wanted to do five big, amazing, cool things, and I did two. Hmm. Bummer. So yeah, I think that's great. The time boxing your attention, like these are the times that I will do this. And so you use news, but we could also say check Slack messages, check email in those same ways. And uh, well, have you with your your mini guests in your podcast or, or your own experience, have you encountered some some best practices for sticking with those boundaries uh, to getting the job done? One of my favorites is from an academic life coach that I interviewed, Gretchen Wegner, and she teaches college students how to do study techniques. And what she said is visualize your time. So note, like we all know what we need to get done during the day, then put it on your calendar and visualize how much time each thing might take. Right. So uh, like, okay, I've got to do finances today. I'm kind of estimating one and a half hours for email. Actually put it in your calendar as an event of like one and a half years, just so that you can manage your own expectations in terms of, well, how, because sometimes I have a list and I'm like, oh, I could totally do that all in one day. And then you get halfway through and it's like, I'm on crack. There's no way you can do this all Mm -hmm. in one day. Had I visualized my time, I might know that. So that would be one. Another guy does a retrospective of his office once a year. It was Michael Slowinski who does uh, Nosby. It's, he also runs Productive Magazine. So he had some good, so he, that was a good interview actually. And he does a retrospective on his home office once a year and just goes through what's working, what's not working. And he just rearranges it. I think he said he takes everything out and then puts it all back in a new way or something. So, you know, I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Because as I look around, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a few piles that there's a few things that could be cleaned mm-hmm. up. The most common one, people use the Pomodoro time technique, you know, 25 minutes on, five minutes off, 25 minutes on, then 10 minutes off. That's my favorite. That's the one that I use because I'm not a morning person. So it really, I really need a rhythm to get going in the morning. Otherwise I could just like sit at my desk and look at things for, <laughs> for way too long. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are those are three. Okay, yes, well, that's helpful. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and so, well, maybe let's shift gears a bit to, let's call it management, accountability, you know, taking care of business. So I think that 
for some people, working from home is like a joke that goes into scare quotes. Like, <laughs> what that really means is I'm doing almost nothing and I'm occasionally you know, checking my email. Well, so, so we've talked about some ways to, to make that not the case with the infrastructure, with the boundaries. And so I'm wondering if you're managing someone or, or collaborating with someone, then you really need them to handle their business. How do we do that well? Managing remotely versus being in person is a different game. Oh, for sure. If you're a micromanager, you're going to hate remote working Mm -hmm. because uh, you can't. You simply can't micromanage. There's no way to do it. I mean, I'm sure you could put some sort of a monitoring system, keystroke, taking pictures of you in place, but I would never recommend that. I think it's a horrible, I mean, nobody wants that. Think about yourself. Nobody would want that. What I would say, there's three really important things. One is you want to set expectations so that everybody knows what success and failure look like. Remote working is results-oriented work. It's not hours-based work. So you want to set out what do you expect people to get accomplished and by when. And the more detailed you can be, the better it is, right? Software, like agile software teams will use sprints of one or two weeks where they set out, they have a sprint planning session and they set out what they're going to accomplish that week. And then at the end of the week, they have a demonstration of what they built what they've done, and they do a retrospective over how it went, like what went well, what didn't go well, how can they improve for the future? And then they set the next week's sprint. So that is a great way of doing results-based work and sort of taking small pieces as you go. So really setting expectations on what is the objective and what are the results, and then get out of the way of your professionals as a leader. Like you hired people because they're supposed to have the ability to do a particular job. I think the role of the leader is to set the goalpost and then remove any impediment that might get in the way of that professional getting to that goalpost. Mm-hmm. So that's setting expectations. The number two would be creating a team agreement. So that is just outlining what are the best ways of working together. So what kind of information do we need to share and where is it stored? Are there security protocols necessary to get to it? How are we going to communicate with each other? You know, which tools, uh, what tools are you going to use for what? Are there expected response times? These kind of things. And then collaboration. How do you know what each other are doing and how are you giving each other feedback? Mm-hmm. So a standard team agreement, just setting out some basic, it doesn't have to be a big rule book, but just setting out some basic guidelines and principles for how you're going to work together so that there you can avoid all the basic misunderstandings. Right. And then number three would be put feedback loops in place. These retrospectives that the agile software teams are doing are awesome. It gives the team a chance to celebrate successes when they have them. It gives them a chance to blow steam when they need to blow steam. And it gives them also a chance to bring up little things that you might not bring up in the moment because it's just too small. Like talking about it might make it into a bigger thing than it is. But these retrospectives gives you a space to just be Mm -hmm. like, you know, that thing you did last week, like totally annoying. (laughs) You know, sometimes you got to just say that you got to just get it off your chest, you know, otherwise it'll explode in weird ways. So Mm -hmm. I would say as a manager, if you've got those things down, setting expectations, creating a team agreement and putting feedback loops in place you're going to get pretty far. You know, what's so intriguing about that is that these practices of would make all the difference for an in-person team as well. Totally. I think there's it's easier for you to sort of lose track of what the heck is going on. And I think it's just maybe, if I were to summarize, it, it just like the remote piece just makes it, it just sort of amplifies it all. In terms of like, you might notice that something's not working in person faster (laughs) 
because you're right there as opposed to remotely. It's like you could maybe go weeks before you discover it's not fine. I also love that with agile example, when you have to demonstrate the thing kind of publicly, you know, in a short time frame, boy, there's, there's a boatload of accountability there in, in terms of, so if you were, you know, goofing off and watching, you know, funny cat videos for the, the whole workday, you would either need to stay up late <laughs> to get her done or embarrass yourself publicly. Like, yeah, this doesn't really work and I'm not done. Sorry, guys. And then you're like, note to self, never do that again. That felt terrible. Right? Nobody wants to be in that position. So yeah, you're right. It amplifies the good and the bad. So it's going to amplify the George Costanzas on your team, you know, that are Mm -hmm. just always trying to get away with laziness. (laughs) Or it's going to amplify the... If they're rock stars, they're going to be rock stars remote as well. But it's going to amplify Mm -hmm. communication challenges. And I would say, you know, when you're in person, you can be sloppy about some of these things. And when you're remote, it's uh, you you cannot be sloppy. You need these systems in place. Yeah, that's well said. Well, then at the same time, though, you know, remote does have really cool advantages. And the... I guess there's a debate on on whether you are more or less productive when remote. And, and you said your studies, your research reveals that most people would prefer in their dream world to have a combo of sometimes in the office with colleagues and sometimes remote. So what are the special opportunities that are possible when remote working that, that really boosts productivity that we don't have access to when we are, are obligated to go to an office. For example, I was just chatting with some guys in my men's group and said, hey, well, one thing that's cool about remote work is that, you know, I, I could sort of rearrange my day how I want it. Like I might take a shower at 10 a.m. after doing an hour, an hour and a half of work just because I'm having a sleepy lull time and why not be under hot water? Because uh, I'm not going to get much done at the computer, and and then I'm rejuvenated from having had the shower to to do another round of work. So so I think that's pretty cool. You can't. It's not as easy to do in a workplace. Hey, yeah. see you soon, boss. I'm going to take a ten my ten a.m. shower. Be right back. <laughs> Probably not as as doable. I mean, you could, <laughs> but nobody would do it. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing is one designing your lifestyle around. Because I'm I'm that person. I'm like I do my shower later. I like to just get to work and then few hours later, I'm like, okay, I need a break. And then I go running and then take my shower and then continue. So that that's totally me. But there's also all kinds of things like in the, when I used to work in an office, it was always freezing cold in the office. Like I was freezing. I had like sweaters and all kinds of stuff. It'd be like super hot outside. And then I was in my sweater in the office. All right. So there's temperature, which is never good. There's noise, which you can't control. I like to, uh, I have a little candle that I burn on my desk. It's like this cute little this cute little candle thing in here. And so you couldn't do that in an office. You're not going to have people burning candles at their desk. And also in between my virtual meetings, I like to do like some jumping jacks or squats or just something yeah. that gets the blood flowing. Or take a nap. Yeah, I'm not a napper. <laughs> you dance. That's, I've never been a napper. Yeah, but you could dance. I'm a dancer for sure. You could be ridiculous. And I would never do it at the office. But here I just have uh-huh. to close the curtain so that the neighbor can't see me. But I could just boogie down. And I think that that's pretty great. Yeah, it is. You know, you can just design your productivity. So yeah, if you have the right space. I think that that's intriguing. Maybe maybe the master key or, or theme there is like wherever there's a social norm that is preventing or compelling you <laughs> to do something that's not actually valuable, you can kind of just chuck it. It's like, I'm going to have a dance party. I'm going to work in my underwear. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a 10. <laughs> you could kind of 
be as weird as, <laughs> as you need to be if it's helpful and productive. <laughs> and I think if you are getting your results done, then I say, let your freak flag fly, baby. Cause I mean, you know, it's a great offer. You know, we're all diverse and I just think great. If you're getting your work done, yeah, have a really good time. And it's great that we can reward results instead of time. Because if somebody, you know, if two people are making, doing a marketing report and one person, it takes them the whole week to do it. And the other person, it takes them four hours to do it. Well, good for the person that it took four hours. If they're the same quality, you know, great. We should be rewarding people getting things done, not how long right. they take. I can draw stuff out forever. I mean, I, you know, if you're paying me on an hourly basis, and I mean, I remember being in an office thinking like, yeah, what's the rush? Uh-huh. You know, I could just work on this forever kind of thing. But now that I work for myself, it's just like, okay, I've got like three deadlines, got to get it done. It's a, I'm on the ball. So it's just, it's just different motivations. That's well said. Well, I'd love it if you have any other random tips, tricks, tools, do's, don'ts before we hear about some of your favorite things. I got to chime in one real quick because I'm looking at them. I love earplugs. I think at an office or at home, my door blocks a lot of the noise, but sometimes two-year-old screams, uh, it will still penetrate it and, and really catch my attention. And I guess primal, primally, that's what they're supposed to do. So earplugs plus noise-canceling headphones is just lose all track of everything else but the work. It's it's pretty fun. So what else do you want to make sure to mention before we hear some favorite things? Well, I would say use visual cues when you're using video. That's one of the benefits. Because for instance, you can use like cards to say like, oh, you're on mute. That's so cool. Hey, you're on mute. Or dang, it's totally awesome. Like really love that idea. Did you make those cards? Where do I get them? Yes, they're, oh, they're on the website. I can send you a pack. Oh, thank you. Or if you want to just express like, oh, I love the idea. I love the idea. She is holding up cards. We're audio only just to make sure that we don't miss it, Lisette. She's holding up cool cards that say things like awesome or heart or you're on mute or should we record? And, and so it enables you to convey a message without like interrupting somebody and, and just sort of making it interesting and, and visually dynamic. That's brilliant. And beautiful. Yeah. And I would say one of the best card, the most popular card out there after you're on mute, because that one everybody knows, <laughs> is this one. And it's called ELMO. And it stands for Enough, Let's Move On. <laughs> and this is for that person in your meetings, online or in person, that just goes on and on and on. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's probably you, <laughs> right? So, but this is your visual indicator to let that person know, because they, they're going on and on because they don't know that you're ready to move on. So if you can just show them, okay, got it. Let's go on to the next point. So uh, that, yeah. that takes your talkers out. And, and what's so what's so handy about those cards, <laughs> I'm not trying to be an ad for you, but I am, it's fine, uh, is that, you know, I, I, different platforms will have like emojis or whatever. But a lot of times, I think in Slack, like it's sort of often the default is to be hidden, like in the, in the, sky, in the chat box. And it's like, oh, there's a chat. Let me click it versus if you're going on and on, <laughs> you will probably not stop to click it. Right. And if multiple people are holding up the enough, let's move on card, it's like, okay, that's that's very clear. A strong majority it got the point. Yeah, like one Elmo where it doesn't have to change yeah. the conversation. But if all of a sudden four or five, then you know people are done. Well, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, is that now? Could you share with us a favorite quote? Something you find inspiring? That's a very simple one, but I think it's perfectly apt in this time. And it's from Mr. Rogers. So I, I love it even more knowing that it's from that. But, and I don't know the exact quote, but he says something of 
look for and be one of the helpers. Mm -hmm. So I really like that because it speaks to me on a number of levels. In these times where everybody's stressed and everybody is going through something difficult, the whole world is at the moment, that we need to be looking for opportunities and ways to help each other just to take some of the bleakness out. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? This one's a bit of a silly one, so I won't spend too much time on it. But there is a bit of research that shows that when one person has spoken once in a meeting, they're more likely to speak again. So this bit of research, I think, is my favorite because it makes the case for using icebreaker questions or warm-up questions or check-ins before a meeting starts. I use them for all my meetings with teams that I that I know really well. I'll just do a quick, silly icebreaker question like, you know, favorite food, favorite vacation spot, or take a picture of your shoes and show us what's on your feet, just something. And there's a lot of kickback against icebreakers, but I would say that there it doesn't have to be silly. You could also use things like, what are you hoping to get out of this meeting today? Why did you come? Or mm -hmm. what are you hoping to contribute to this meeting today? So just getting people to state. So it doesn't have to be silly. But uh, I think icebreakers and the research that science shows that when people have spoken once, they're more likely to speak again. I think that that's uh, encouraging for online meetings. And how about a favorite book? One book that I really love, and it's going to be a professional one. I've got it right here because I've, uh, I've been using it a lot, is this book called Beyond Bullet Points. Oh, I got that one. It's a great book. I think mine was the first edition. Oh, that looks nice. Oh, so I've, you can see I've used it quite often. But I think people's presentations are just terrible most of the time. I mean, talk about, you know, they're always like tons of bullet points with eight point font. And I don't know about you, but I cannot read and listen at the same time. I just can't do it. I, I mean, I can't multitask maybe. It's a, so this book, Beyond Bullet Points, it's so, if you're giving a presentation or you're doing anything online, use this book because it tells you how to create a compelling story, even if you're not a good storyteller. And it tells you how to create compelling slides, even if you're not a designer. So that's my favorite book right now. And how about a favorite tool? You've mentioned a few. Right now, the Oculus Quest is my favorite tool right, right now. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm blown away by the experiences you could have. I've been canoeing in the Arctic. I've been at the International Space Station and it feels, I've mm. lear I'm learning Tai Chi, like I'm doing all the calm stuff because it wow. makes me really nauseated, but uh, I'm really enjoying the experience. Virtual reality is so great. Well, it sounds like such a great way to get out when you can't get out. <laughs> totally. That's why I bought it. I was like, I want to be able to like yeah. have some sort of outdoor experience. <laughs> and how about a favorite habit? At the moment, my favorite habit is intermittent fasting, and mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying that. I do it so that I don't eat between the hours of 10 p.m. and 1 p.m. So it's not a severe fast or anything, but I feel better when I like it. So that's the habit I'm going to keep. And is there a particular nugget you share that people really connect with and you're known for? The super cards. Yeah. That's definitely wow. stuff. And, you know, beyond that, people know that I'm really crazy about telepresence robots. And I just think the uh, potential mm -hmm. for telepresence robots are great. So if you don't know what they are, they're drivable robots where you beam in just like uh, any video conferencing tool and you drive them using the arrow keys on your keyboard. And what I like is that it simulates a human in the office. And so if, if you're one of the only remote people in an all in-person company, beaming in via robot can be an awesome way of giving yourself more presence in that office. It sounds really far out, but these things are pretty inexpensive these days. Cool. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? CollaborationSuperpowers.com. Everything's there. Everything. All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? For all the people that don't like turning their videos on, just try it. Just try it for on a couple of calls and see what the difference is. So I know that's a simple one, but I think in these times, 
we need to learn how to connect and be closer in new ways. And uh, video calls, I think, are the way to do it. It's your one step into the the new reality. All right. Lizette, thank you. This has been a treat. And uh, I wish you uh, lots of luck in, in all of your superpower collaborative adventures. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate Lisette's take that the boundaries is the golden ticket. If you can set those well and master those, then you've really got it going on. And I think this gets back to some of the the wisdom we've heard from BJ Fogg with Tiny Habits and, and other guests who share how to do those behavioral change things and to just recognize it's hard for everybody, even super pros like Lisette, but it's worth doing because if you can nail it, then that's where the productivity comes from. Uh, we had a little bit of fun dorking out about sort of tools for working from home. And, and I've mentioned a number of these in my previous episodes called uh, the, the Favorite Things episodes on Black Friday. I've had maybe two or three years of those. And a lot of those are work-related, so you might check those out. And I'm going to share a few more here just because I think that's fun, both in terms of of the work tools, products, things, as well as the uh, maybe just like staying safe and healthy things that I've discovered as I've been doing a lot of research. So within coronavirus world. So here we go. Uh, on the work side, I- I'm all about those ergonomics. Like don't be hunched over all day long with that laptop. That's that's no bueno. If you get an external monitor, that's huge. You can stick it on top of a box. I also like the Amazon Basics monitor arm so that you can adjust that there. We talked about a great chair and a great desk. Those are good. I'm also really big on having a great uh, mouse and keyboard. My favorite keyboard is the Kinesis Freestyle keyboard. It splits into two sections with your left hand and your right hand, and you can sort of change how far apart those are. So that's just a bit more natural and ergonomic. And for a mouse, I actually use two mice. One of them is silent, and I use that during uh, podcast interviews, meetings, conferences, and whatnot. So when I'm clicking, it doesn't distract, and it's it's hard to hear. And, and you can just sort of search a silent mouse. I don't think they make mine anymore on Amazon. And then the other one is just sort of a decadent luxury. It's a, it's a Logitech Pro wireless like it's for gamers basically. And it costs too much and it's unnecessary, but I love how you can program the buttons and the macros in really cool ways that are custom per program. Sometimes it's a little bit finicky, but it also just has a very satisfying scroll and click and you can fine tune the sensitivity to exactly what you want it to be and then switch that if you have different needs for different programs. So that's just a, a pleasure to use. And, and I think like when, when your tools fill you with a delight in using them, then you're more likely to in, enjoy the process of, of doing work. So those are some of my faves. I've got many more again in the Black Friday episodes, favorite things, if you want to check out some more of those from note cards to pens. And, and when it comes to sort of uh, health, safety, coronavirus stuff, I may have mentioned a couple of times, my wife is super into health and safety. So we've made a couple of interesting discoveries. One is I find hydrogen peroxide to be of all the FDA or EPA listed things that that kill coronavirus, I found hydrogen peroxide less sort of in my unpleasant <laughs> in terms of smell or if you get it on yourself. And so uh, when wipes are hard to come by, I find hydrogen peroxide has been easier to come by. And so I like to use that with a, sort of a, a thin cloth instead of wipes. And it's kind of cost effective and it's uh, easier to find in these hard times. So that's handy. I've placed an order. It hasn't come here yet. I'm super excited. It's called Force of Nature. It's uh, a supernatural cleaner that you use as electrolysis to make a water and salt and vinegar into a solution 
that has very impressive lab results in terms of its ability to kill germs as well as uh, clean stuff like stubborn soaps come, et cetera. I've ordered it, it hasn't come yet, but I'm very excited. I was quite uh, compelled by that. And also the IQ Air, it's a Swiss company. They make a super air purifier called the Health Pro. And, and that is way more potent than your typical HEPA air purifier. It could actually clean air of super tiny particles like viruses. The width of the filter is about like 10 molecules of water. <laughs> it's just so crazy tiny. So it could actually filter viruses out of the air, which I think can come in handy now, as well as if one of us has a cold or a flu in the family, reduce the odds that uh, that'll get sneezed and coughed all over the place and infect the rest of us. So that is operational in the Makaitis home right now and, and hope some of those discoveries uh, might serve you well as well. So again, the show notes, the transcripts, links to as we've referenced are awesome at yourjob.com slash F561, including links to all these things. And remember, it's not about the tool. It's about the behavior the tool enables. Great tips from Lizette. And if you haven't pushed subscribe, I hope you will. You'll catch our next guest. It's Alex Pang. And Alex is talking about how we can, in fact, accomplish more in fewer hours and enjoy better rest. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.